0: Hello this is episode 204. Now in this episode I'm speaking with a builder who not only uses the PAC process in his residential construction business he actually no longer does tenders and quotes. He will only work with clients right from the initiation of their project so that he can be paid as a consultant and get involved during the design phase. Now for this builder he feels that this is the best and only way to work with clients because he believes it improves the client experience, it improves the project, and it also improves the way that he does business. My guest in this episode is going to be someone you're familiar with if you're a long-time listener of the podcast. And even if you've only joined the UA community recently, you may have heard me mention him once or twice. I'm speaking about Dwayne Pierce and he was a guest in season four of the podcast, which was Know Your Team, and he was also my co-host for all of season seven where we did the stages of construction. And of course, he's also a collaborator inside my online program, The Home Method. He, now he and I have another business together which we started in late 2019. It's called Live Life Build and this is where we're working with builders to improve the way that they do business so that we can elevate the professionalism of the residential construction industry overall. This episode is the fourth episode that I'm doing about the pack process so if you haven't listened to the previous three episodes be sure to do that now because this episode is going to make a lot more sense with that background information. Remember our PAC process is where you bring a builder on board to be paid as a consultant during the pre-construction phase. So the builder becomes a collaborative member of your design team. They work alongside you and your chosen designer and they provide input on cost and buildability as your design develops and it gets resolved. Dwayne shares his experience with the PAC process, plus he highlights specific things for you to be aware of when looking for a builder to work with you in this way. It's gonna be great for you to hear just how much Dwayne gets involved and what you can expect from the PAC process with other builders, because it's far more than simply paying for a quote. Remember as well that you can access all the resources and information mentioned in this episode by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 204, 204 and they're the numbers 204 I've popped them all there for you so let's dive in welcome to the get it right podcast I'm your host Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect with over 25 years industry experience I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work feel great and that you feel great in I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid 2014 and it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic feel-good family home, one that works for you now and into the future, one that is sustainable and affordable and that helps you live a great lifestyle both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams your location or your budget Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track, or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com Forward slash project plan and that's project plan spelt p-r-o-j-e-c-t-p-l-a-n that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop and now let's get on with the episode here we go this is going to be a great episode for you to gain more detailed insight into the builder's role in the pack process ...and how they can assist in the design phase of your new home or renovation. But first, let me introduce Dwayne to you if you haven't met him before. Dwayne Pierce is a builder with over 20 years experience. He's the owner of D. Pierce Constructions, a Brisbane-based custom residential building company. They are award-winning builders specialising in architectural homes and quality renovations and extensions... From concept to completion, Duane and the team at DPS Constructions have the expertise, experience and enthusiasm to undertake any project, whatever your style and whatever your needs. And Duane's passion for perfection and his love of architecture pushes him and his team to make sure that their clients get the very best outcome on each project. Dwayne, together with his wife Camille, is also the co-founder of Quotespec, and this is an app and a website to help builders and trades improve the way that they prepare their proposals for projects, and also improve the professionalism of their business. And as I mentioned up front, Dwayne is my business partner and co-founder in our business, Live Life Build, which we started in 2019. And so we help builders build smarter, live better, and enjoy life, and we do this via our website, online courses, and our group coaching program. Dwayne and I actually created Live Life Build because we are on a mission to elevate the professionalism of builders and to improve this residential construction industry that we both love and this is ultimately so that everyone can enjoy building and renovating their homes, builders, designers and especially homeowners. I do hope that you find this conversation really helpful in clarifying what the PAC process involves and also that perhaps it answers some questions or concerns that you may have about it too. Well, Dwayne, it's awesome to have you here back on uh, the podcast and speaking to the undercover architect community, uh, our conversation way back in season four in Know Your Team, where uh, you shared so many uh, moments of wisdom and insights into what it um, looks like to be a great builder and a great business operator. Um, That's been a really popular episode on the Undercover Architect podcast. Then, of course, we did season seven together, uh, talking about the stages of construction, and that's all... um, been fantastic as well and incredibly helpful for the undercover architect community you're a big fave and so I'm really looking forward to (laughs) chatting now about uh, the PAC process. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a ride for you and me personally, because we've obviously now also got a second business together with each other, Live Life Build. So we've certainly got to know each other a lot better over the over the previous time as well. So it's uh, quite interesting to be jumping into a conversation where we're interviewing and chatting to each other like this, rather than uh, helping our members and and running our group coaching programs. So I'm really looking forward to this chat. Can you just for a minute just uh, introduce yourself uh, to those who might not have met you and tell us a little bit about your building business, DPS Constructions?
1: Yeah, awesome. So um, it's, been, it's a pleasure to be back here. It's, uh, it's, uh, I find this a bit strange sitting and talking to you, to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, look, I, um, I've been in the industry 25 years, um, been running DPS Constructions for a little, probably just over 15 years now. Um, I pride myself on, on definitely trying to um, lead the way in the industry and, and run a run a better business and um, offer our clients um, a good quality service and a good product. Our like every, our whole business is run around like near enough not good enough. Um, quality is everything, and like as you know, like it, the the whole goal and the, our whole aim at DPS Constructions is to get our clients the best product we can get them. Um, and we build a really good team, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not just about me. I've, I've got great subbies. I've got I've got a great team in our own business, a great suppliers. So um, yeah, we're really big on communication. We we I, I just love seeing the, the looks on our clients' faces, their smiles, their tears, um, and just taking them through the entire journey from start to finish. I'm I'm just one of those people, I just really genuinely love what I absolutely love what I do. I'm, I'm in that place where I don't think um, it's not like going to work every day. Like I, I love what I do. It's it's not a it's not a pressure for me to do it, and to be able to deliver clients their dream homes is is just a dream come true for me.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, and I think that what's been really rewarding for me in terms of getting to know you better. And it is funny having this kind of conversation with you because we do obviously have a very regular catch up on Zoom to discuss live life build. I've got to remember that we're actually having a public conversation here and <laughs> not slipping into our normal business conversation. So, um, but yeah, I've 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 had the pleasure of getting to know the inside of DP's constructions um, in a in a in a like in a really privileged and and um, fantastic way that's been about being able to help our Live Life Build members also has given me a whole new and developed understanding of, of what a good building business operation looks like and how valuable it is when you do run a business like that, the on-flow effect then in terms of um, the benefits to clients, the types of projects you're working on and then your enjoyment in how you get to show up as a business operator and a business owner every day. And so, you know, I mean, we're very both we're very much on the same page in terms of our mission to improve the industry so that renovating and building is an enjoyable experience for everyone, um, you know, homeowner, designer, and builder, and this collaborative model being so much part of that, and everybody getting to add their expertise and experience to that process of renovating and building so that it just just really grows the opportunities to um, smooth out lots of those normal dramas and headaches that I know that you would have experienced prior to having this collaborative model in your business and also um, just enables you as a business operator to be able to manage your business so much more effectively as well. So can you let us know, you know, you do work now with designers inside um, the PAC process or the Paytors Consultant process. This is a a process that you and I have both been using in different ways um, personally in our careers, and have now obviously been able to hone and improve it and teach it now to builders. But you've been using it for some time in your business and basically growing it and improving it. Is how many designers do you actually work with in this way, um, with the payers consultant process?
1: Uh, look, there's only a handful that we do it regularly. We, we've got one um, building designer in Wales, which um, is fantastic. And I think the the reason we work so well with him is we're both open to communication and really working with each other. Um, we've got a couple of architects that we do it with. Um, but look, it's it's definitely a struggle, like um, because it is, I guess, quite new um, in what we're what we're doing with people. But for me, it's it's a no-brainer. The um, and look, we the the ones that we get, we actually get approached by um, I guess designers and architects now that want to do it this way. Um, so that's really good for me, like to to sort of know that we're on um, a path that other people are wanting to get involved with. But it's really just it's all about finding designers and architects that are on the same page, uh, want to get the same outcome, want to um, have the same sort of personalities and those types of things. But um, look, I, I would I would work with a lot more, but it, it's I'm pretty fussy with um, who I work with. Like it, it, it's no different to a client choosing us to build their house. Like um, for me to choose a designer architect to to do this process with, um, I need to know it's someone that I can get on with. It's someone that we can have a good relationship with, and it's someone that's going to be on the same page as me that, is, that the goal is to get the client the best possible product we can for what they're wanting to spend.
0: Yeah, and I think too what's really powerful is now this is the only way that you start projects, isn't it? So why did you make that decision to to do it, to, to, to basically say no to tender processes and, and you know, when you get called for quotes, like how do you navigate that now? Because I'm sure that, you know, I know that you still get people calling you saying, look, can you quote this job? Um, why did you make the decision for the PAC process to be the only way that you do things? And how do you handle that in terms of pushing back on people who still want that traditional model?
1: Um, I guess it's just because uh, I've just seen the, the benefits, like the, the not just, um, and that, it's across the board, it's for everyone involved. So the benefits that I've seen from where we've come from, um, like we started out on that that page that a lot of builders are sort of on where they'd charge for quotes. And we saw really, really quickly, that was just going down a rabbit hole and not going to work. Um, and so we just basically took it on ourselves to keep developing and coming up with a better process that we could get paid during the early stages. Um, and then obviously since, um, you and I have been doing what we're doing and we just keep improving it even more and more. And, and, and I believe with what you and I are doing, it's only going to get better and better. Like we some of the stuff we've got planned is incredible, but, um, for me it's it's all about the benefits like um for me as a builder seeing the problems it solved um, in my business by doing it um putting like seeing what i used to see design and architects have to go through which now they don't is is like it's an improvement to them um, but i think the most important one is just um, our clients like seeing like jobs go ahead now like every it, it just before there are so many ways that our industry is broken and before, and, and it's funny because when you're doing it that old fashioned way, where you're tendering um, as a builder, you don't think any of it. Like, and you, you don't understand the power and the flow on effect that this process has on the like the outcome, the, the finished project, the budget, the, the relationship between the owner, the, the design of the owner and the builder. Um, it, it's, it's beneficial for everyone. So, um, myself, it's it's very easy to sell that. So like so many people ring, and um, yeah, question why? Like why would why would they pay a builder? Like builders are meant to quote jobs for free. Like why would I do that? And generally, it's it's not a very long conversation, and most people see the benefits. But we still have that issue, obviously, that we're only a very small percentage. Like there's still literally thousands of builders out there, designers out there that, that aren't on board with this process. So, and look to me, I don't mind, like I don't need all of them. Like, I just need clients that um, are on the same page as me. We can get on well, we can build a good relationship and we can get a good outcome. And look, our clients are, we don't do the investment type work. Our, our clients, like every single one of our clients is someone that wants a good quality family home that's gonna live there for a long time. Um, And so we actually find the process has really helped um, attract those types of clients as well, because those types of clients, people that want to build a home um, to bring a family up in that might want to live there for 10, 15, 20 years, um, we get lots of clients that have been through, they've had disaster stories and now they want to build their retirement home. Um, And then we also get the ones that are, like the, the young couples that are just starting out that have heard all the horror stories and want to make sure that they that they might be um, trying to have kids or whatever in that stage of their life, and they don't want the hassle of a, a poorly built home or a poorly designed home. So they're the sort of three clients we get, and as soon as those types of clients know the process, they're generally straight on board with it. And the conversations generally goes along, like it's just explaining to them the benefits, and it's not it's not just the benefits to me, it's the benefits to them, and it's the benefits to the designer as well. And yeah, it's a no-brainer. Most people, as soon as they know the ins and the outs, of it, they're, they're totally on board with it.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's quite interesting because I think that um, a lot of people get quite confused about sort of how that process might kick off. And uh, I know that because of the work that you've been doing in terms of speaking about this, you know, presenting it on your social media and all of those kinds of things, um, that that people get a window into your business. Before they get to pick up the phone to you, they get an understanding of the kind of work that you do, the way that you work, who you are as a person, and that this is the way that you generally do work. And I think that for a lot of homeowners, you know, they're often building a relationship with builders and designers over social media, over their websites and those kinds of things well before they pick up the phone. Um, But then obviously they still potentially have expectations about how those initial conversations might go when they do make that phone call. And I know that a lot of homeowners will expect, because it's what's traditionally happened, is that they they might actually go to the builder first um, before they even think about speaking to a designer. There can be a thought that, well, if I, I know that I need to get this home built or renovated and a builder is going to be the person that's going to be physically doing that. So therefore I'll get them around to kind of tell me what's possible, you know, what's going to make sense, what's going to be affordable. So. If somebody then gives you a call how do you navigate those first steps particularly when they might be expecting that you're just going to go yeah okay we'll come over we'll have a look at the place and have a chat how do you, what are your normal first steps when somebody makes an inquiry to you in terms of um wanting to chat to you about their project
1: they do come to us from different um different ways but um nine out of ten of our inquiry comes direct from our website like we we're pretty big on our marketing stuff as well, so like our phone number, um, we don't have an office phone. My phone number is not on any of our marketing. So generally, the their first point of contact with us is an inquiry through our website, and um, so we have basically some standard emails that respond to them and tell them our process and get them to fill out an inquiry form, and then from that inquiry form. Uh, we've, we've got a few questions on there that, that give us sort of the information that we need to know if it's a project um, because it's not just like, because there's so many parts to this process, like it's also about us making sure it's the type of job that we can deliver, the type of job that our team is capable of building, um, all those types of things. Like, and, and getting all that to work is a big part of this process, but we pretty much make our decision based off the answers put on that questionnaire. Um, how we go about it from there and generally the first thing is just a initial meeting with myself um, that might be done over the phone um, i'll go into more detail about the the ins and outs of the process and from that phone conversation if i feel that, like I, I always say to people like i'm pretty open and honest about it now like it it's not just about whether they can work with me it's about whether i can work for them as well because it like building is a lot of the time you like we're seeing each other more than they might be seeing their partner. Like you, it's, it's a six, nine, 12, 18 months journey. So, um, you've really got to be able to get on well. So, um, from there, um, if, if they haven't already got a designer on board, then we will generally, um, put names to them and, uh, we leave that completely up to them. So if they ask us for suggestions on designers and architects, um, we'll give them the few that we prefer to work with. Uh, we'll generally sort of like say to them, look, this one here is definitely more suited to the type of job you're looking for. Um, and then we basically leave it up to them to basically go away and, and do the interview with them as well and we'll tell them if, if they feel comfortable with those guys, they feel that we can work together as a team, then we'll all have a face-to-face meeting together. And Because, again, I, I think it's just as important... That they spend separate time um, with the designer architect um, like I don't want them to feel that I'm pushing them one way or influencing like I, I, I like every feeling through the whole process to be very um, comfortable and it's got to be their decision I don't want them to feel any pressure off me pushing them towards one designer architect and we've found that that works really well that like they come back to us they, they say oh yeah we've had, a, had some discussion with such and such we're happy to go to the next step now and um, that next step is, like I said, it's a face-to-face meeting. Um, by this stage, they have filled out our questionnaire. They would have filled out the design brief from the designer architect. So we'll be behind the scenes having a bit of conversation, making sure that we understand the project before we go to that meeting. And that way, from that first meeting, we can make sure that... Um, like That meeting's really all about making sure that we can deliver their expectation or we or we might have to educate them a bit more Um, about their expectations compared to what their budget budget is. Um, And then really that's the meeting that they need to decide whether they're going to go from there. And if if they email us back and say we're going to move forward, then we send them our our preliminary process paperwork.
0: Yeah, and that involves your PAC agreement and your invoice for your PAC fee, which is all paid up front, isn't it? Yep. so...
1: I think this is, and this is again. I think this is another area where the process is so powerful, and we've got a whole document. So um, I think the funny thing with all this is, is it's actually been in the industry for a very long time. Like HIA master builders have these standard preliminary agreement forms, um, and they've sort of gone down. Like, like they wanted this sort of some similar process to this for a very long time, but there's never been anything behind it, and I think that's where it's fallen over. Like they've Everyone's always felt that to get a good outcome, the builder should be involved. But there's, it's just been a simple tick on a piece of paper to say, oh, it's a preliminary agreement for the, the builder to provide a price or to provide some plans, whereas what you and I have developed and what we use in our business, it, it's a full process. So that, that paperwork that we give them, it is a, a master builder's preliminary agreement, which is basically that's the contractual engagement. But then we also have a... Um, Preliminary process agenda, basically, like a scope of works. So it actually tells them ours is like three or four pages long, and it actually tells them we we have one for renovation, one for a new home, and it clearly outlines exactly what we're going to deliver for the fee that they're going to pay. And that that is how many meetings we're going to have, how many costs we're going like revisions of costs we're going to do, how many um, uh, meetings with suppliers to help them pick all those like uh, finishes and all those types of things. So. By having everything really well documented, it like we, we probably win a lot of work just based off that because we're not just going to meetings and talking about things. Like Everything's very professional. It's all documented. The client knows what they're getting. We know what we're going to deliver. And it's all black and white, really.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the critical point of differentiation here when a lot of people hear oh, okay, so I'm going to pay the builder as a consultant. And, you know, you and I know that there's lots of um, builders coaches out there and also builders who are, you know, spruiking the charge for a quote. Um, I'll come and I'll give you your cost estimate, you know, and jump in and out of the process. But there isn't any formalisation of it and there's – there's very little to describe exactly what a homeowner will be getting for the fee that they're paying. I made the point in a previous episode about the fact that my experience is with the work that we've been doing with builders, um, that the fee that they charge never actually fully covers all of the time that they spend inside that process. Um, So for homeowners who feel that they um that to be able to assess whether they're getting the right right process and the right level of involvement i think it's worth worth understanding just how much time the pack process takes compared to that standard sort of charge for a quote the difference with the pack process is it is a really collaborative model where you're having a relationship with the builder over a much longer period of time they're not just jumping in and out of your project at specific points or milestones you know you're actually sitting at the table during those design meetings and and having conversations, how do you how do you find that you you navigate some of those questions that you might get from homeowners about their concerns? Because I, you know, I think that when they see that there's this is sort of floating around in the industry, and, you know, they have a lot of wariness, understandably, you and I know how many dodgy operators there are out there. So you can understand the nerves of a homeowner worrying about paying for a builder to be involved whether they're going to be basically showing all of their cards and end up just getting a price that could have meant, you know, their home could have been done for less, but they'll never really know, you know, or the builder will just keep trying things on because they're inside the process and there's a level of commitment and it's all too awkward for them to say no to the builder. How do you, you know, how do what do you see those common questions and concerns are that homeowners do understandably have about paying you to be involved and whether they're just giving you a ticket to basically write your own check about what this build's going to cost.
1: Uh, look, I, I definitely can see where they're coming from with this because I, it's, it's. I guess it's no different to me going to purchase things, but um, and and I get that, and I, I think it, it's like everything we do. It, it, so much of it just comes back to education. Like, um, I wouldn't keep getting referrals and and quality clients and quality work if I was just bulking up my prices and. Like, at the end of the day, you've, you've still got to be um, affordable in the market. Like, I'm, I'm never going to compete. I'll always be competitive against similar builders, similar quality, similar size companies, all those types of things. But, um, and so there's so many parts of this, like, we could talk all day about it. But, um, like, I guess... I basically explained to a lot of our clients that I'm, I'm no different to, any, like a builder is no different to any other business, a, a, a supermarket, a, a dentist, like you, you name it. Like if you're working with a quality builder that understands how to run a good business, he's going to know what, what it, his running costs are for his business and he's going to know what profit his business needs to make. So I, I know those figures and then we price the job accurately and then those figures get put on top. So those figures don't change. Just because we've been told a budget from a client doesn't mean that we, we manipulate those figures or bolt them up. Because at the end of the day, our, our whole goal is making sure we can get the client the best possible thing we can for the budget that they've told us. So we put in, and, and like you touched on, like we would, if we added up the time we spent on the, during this PAC process, it's like, I, it's, I put more time in during the PAC process now than when we actually start and the job starts. So um, th- there's a huge amount involved. And, I, and it's so, like I said at the, um, before, it's now that we do this, it's so clear how many issues it's sold from before. So when you look at costing, and, and I, was, I was a builder that did this, like what builder is going to price a job accurately when he's doing it for free? Because if you get even, even the simple, like, um, a shed, like, let's do, like a shed in the backyard as an example, there is hours of work to price that up accurately. Then you're talking a whole home. Like, so builders are expected nine times out of 10 to put a figure on a project. Um, It's a little bit different if you're you're going to an architect, you'll you'll generally have specifications and um, full list of finishes and all those types of things. But even with that scenario, you're never going, like nine times out of 10, you don't get quoted what's on those documents because the builders aren't putting any time and effort into it. So they're just flicking over the plans. A lot of the time they're pulling figures out of thin air. Um, and I think this is where it falls over a lot with designers and architects wanting to do this project. Like, so many, I think there's so many guys out there and homeowners that want to do this. They ring a builder and say, hey, um, we're looking at building a home. Um, we're thinking roughly this size, this sort of style. We've got this sort of budget. And the builder just wants to work. So he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. You can do that. So. They take his word for it. They go off. They finish the designs. There's no more discussions with him at all. They get the drawing. They go, "Oh, yeah, you, the plans are finished now. You're still interested? Yeah, send them over." And he he sits down and puts a little bit of time on it. And, and like straight away, he's like, "Man, this is nowhere near your budget." And then there's this horrible situation because they're like, "Oh, you said you could do it for this," and he, like, there's no time and energy being put into it. So to quote a job accurately. Um, like it literally, like an average, let's say a five hundred thousand dollar renovation. There is literally hundreds of hours to price that correctly. Because if anybody is doing it correctly, like we do, like you're doing a full scope of works for every single trade. You're doing a full list of quantities and materials for every single trade. You then have to send them off to all your trade suppliers. You you you're shopping around to get pricing. You. And then on top of this, you're going to be on design meetings and, and making selections, and then you're doing the takeoffs of those. Like, there's so much involved, and what builder is going to put an accurate price on all that if he's not getting something for his time? And I think there's um, builders just get so frustrated. I think, and I think they they almost um, probably hold it against clients because they like most builders feel that clients just expect, expect, expect all the time but it's, I don't think it's that the clients expect. I just think it's the client, like so many clients don't understand what actually goes into pricing. Like they think the builders the builder should know, like we're giving the plans, like the amount of calls we used to get, um, like people, want, people will ring you one day and say, hey, I'm gonna email some plans, can you call me tomorrow with a price? Like it, um, it doesn't work like that. And again, even with some architects, like they, they have these tender scenarios where they're, they, they're a two week tender period like i guarantee you no builder is going to price a job accurately in two to four weeks and i think that's why there's so many issues with um the building process because it's not priced correctly to start with the builder puts allowances on all types of things the client signs a contract and it can be as early as the first day on site you're you're getting variations um so yeah a bit of a long-winded answer but the like it, it it's not just um, the builder and the architect like clients put so much money into this stage of the job. Like the, a lot of the times all the planning and the approvals and the engineering, all the, all that early stuff, like that can be four to 5% or even more of, um, even as high as 10% of what the actual job cost is. So, so many people like clients are investing this huge amount of money um, and it really frustrates me to, to get to a point where they like so many of them walk away from the job like it's 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 really sort of heartbreaking they they have these dreams of building their dream family homes and they the because there is no process there they don't get to experience the like building a home should be the the most exciting thing in your life like you're building somewhere to to have your family to to grow up in so
0: yeah i think it's um There was yeah lots of points that you touched on there that I think were were really worthwhile in terms of thinking about it because a lot of people I think confuse the way that a quantity surveyor or a building estimator might price a job, um, accessing a database of kind of standard industry information to what a builder can and should do when they're pricing a job and it's that thing look you know builders can't price jobs that way but if you actually want an accurate price for your project your site in this current time current situation the only way to ascertain that is to physically ask all the people suppliers subbies you know and the builder what are they physically going to charge you to make that happen and the only way you can find out that information is to actually show them all the drawings with all of the specifications and and get those get that feedback and get them to look at it and figure it out and put their name on a dotted line to say yes uh, this is what you will have to pay me to do this work and the the challenge is is that when our contracts our building contracts actually facilitate when a builder writes them in a way that puts lots of provisional sums and PC items in, it facilitates the builder not having to be specific at the start, and a homeowner not being aware that the builder is not being specific at the start, and then all of those extra costs coming through. Like there's, when you don't understand that that's how a contract can, you know, is often structured, um, then it's very, it can be very. Uh, very challenging for a homeowner to know that they're signing up for something like that if they're not educated that there's an alternative and for builders to then just use that as an opportunity to to charge up the project to wherever it actually needed to be because they didn't spend the time accurately quoting it at the beginning and creating a proper pricing for it so I think what this you know pack process does is it it pays the builder to be involved it means that you've got the opportunity to make all of those specific decisions so that when the the chance does come to accurately price it those are all going in the contract then gets built around certainty around those items and then what you're dealing with is unknowns you know which will come up in any build just because of the complexity of it um, but you're going to minimize those through managing your risk in that pre-involvement so can we talk a bit? Because I know that you you know have touched on the accurate pricing and those kinds of things, but there's lots of other things that you do as a builder that might be a bit unexpected for homeowners thinking about this pack process, including sitting down at the table with them and their designer, and having those conversations. Also having conversations with the designer about you know Aaron spoke in his conversation about a, a job that you were both doing where. The structure had come in um, uh, in terms of the structural engineering for the roof, and so you'd sat and sort of, you know, there's the opportunity for then you as a builder and a designer to be really mapping out. Okay, this is the outcome we want to achieve. This is what the structural engineer is saying we have to do. That's going to be over budget. Let's strategize how we could different how we could create a different structural design for this roof, and then talk to the engineer and get that get an um get a a review of that like there's this whole kind of iterative process that you do get involved in how do you do that as a builder not tread on the toes of designers because I can imagine there's designers and architects thinking that you being involved just means that you're going to tell them how to design things and also make sure that that you're keeping the client across all of that communication so they don't feel like they're locked out of the relationship between you and the designer how do you how do you navigate and find it, the things that you have to be aware of as being a builder inside that design process?
1: Uh, look, Well, I think it's all, it's, it's all about just open, honest communication. And, and again, having the project as king, like making sure that the designer, myself, the client, like every, everyone's aim, like, every, like, I think the best way to, to talk about this is is to have a target. Like if you are in a uh, shooting competition and there's no target, like you're never going to have a winner. So like to me, the budget is the target and it's my job, the designer's job, the client's job to all work together to make sure we get the best product we can for that, that target, that budget. I'm very careful. like, oh, I, I speak up. Like I don't, um, it, I, if I think it's going kind to of offend someone, I'll tell them before I start talking, but I'm not there to change the design or manipulate the design or any of that because um, a, a lot of homeowners, I do think, that I will just pull things back so that I can make what I need to make and they'll end up with just a box. And I think this is where it also comes in that you you this is why it's so important to find a designer and architect that's on the same page as well because like I don't want to pull back. I don't want to take away from the design. I don't want to control the design. I just want to make sure um, that I'm working with a designer architect that will collaborate with me like you just said, like we'll sit down. So... How it works um, with Aaron? You've mentioned Aaron here. So Aaron and I will, at some point, the job's got to get the the plans have got to get to a point where we, we can put a figure on it. And Aaron and I call that our starting point. If the job's not going to contract yet. Like it's if it's over the budget, it doesn't mean that it's it's if, it, if the figure is over what the budget was, it doesn't mean it's over budget because there's no paperwork sign. We haven't gone to contract on that. All it gives us is a starting point that we can then start to work through it. And Aaron and I do exactly what you just spoke about. So we'll sit down together. Um, Some of these meetings take three or four hours. And at this point, generally, we've only got preliminary engineering. So um, as I've gone through and done that very first round of costings, I'll highlight, like I'll know in my head what stands out as being expensive and and, um, possibly things that can be done more efficiently. So we'll sit down and we'll have a workshop and we'll work together. Like he'll talk to me about product availability, the cost of certain products. Why do I think it's, it's costing that much? Is there something we can substitute it with? Or, um, and there's always things that like he's willing to give on and I'm willing to give on. And I think that's why it, we, we do, it, like you quite often get the clients that when you give that first round, they're, they're shocked but it's really up to myself and the designer to talk them through it. Like we're not finished yet. Like we, this is where we start working through it with everyone, um, whether it's changing some of the structure or uh, looking for an alternative product or um, like we've got one at the moment where it's quite an expensive one, but um, by making, by basically separating, um, combining some of the internal thickenings in the slab because it's such a huge slab um, separating them in and pouring them with the slab pour instead of doing the thickenings with the footings, um, we've managed to reduce just the slab and footing costs on that job by um, a bit over fifty thousand dollars. So I could like we if we weren't having those discussions, that job that figure would just be in there because that's what the design the engineers designed. So Aaron and I have been able to sit down. I've we've talked through the slab, we've worked together, we've gone back to the engineer. We have said, hey, look, we've got why can't we do this? Is this going to work? Um, and yeah, we, we've saved over $50,000. But I think the key thing from this um, process is I believe it's, made, it's making me a far better builder. Um, like part of my process now, and it, it's like I said, it's all documented in our paperwork that we give to the client. Like I meet the soil tester on site because one of the issues we always had when um, in tender scenarios we would just get given a soil test and your soil test marks on the plan, like where the boreholes were taken, but we would go to site and we would hit different ground to what was on the soil test. So like you, you can get some sites that will change dramatically over the, the footprint of the house. Um, so now I, I'm learning more about soil types and, and what to look out for. And by being on site with the soil test or asking them questions, if something looks really out of the ordinary, like I can say then and there, oh look, I really think we should do a peer hole between these two and see what's there. So I'm not starting on site the first day, digging my footings and having a variation because something's changed dramatically. I, um like I said, I go to a design meetings. So another huge issue we had when we were tendering was so many times when I tendered, and it, it blows me away that I even used to do this, but I would literally be meeting the client the day we signed the, the contract. Everything would be done through the architect or the designer. Um, I had no communication with the client. I never, didn't even know if I was gonna be able to get on with them. And we would turn up, and like I'm talking, we did houses that were a couple of million dollars. And I'm literally signing up, saying, how are you going? Nice to meet you, sitting down and signing a contract for 501 million, $2 million. Um, so I missed out on all that, seeing if it would even work, seeing if personality clash or whatever, but more importantly, I didn't know it was getting discussed at those meetings. And so we used to find that I would st- we would start building on site and there was just constant things that would come up. Oh, there's supposed to be that there, or oh, we spoke to the architects about doing this. And I'm like, well, that, that's not what's on the drawings. And then I'm, like, I got into awkward situations where well I'm going to have to charge you because that's, that's extra. And then they would go, well, we're not paying, like, we don't want to pay for that. That should have been there. and So it, it's really taken away all of that because um, I'm at the design meetings. I, I don't go to all the workshops for finishes and all that sort of thing, but I go to the ones I need to go to. Um, we work through all the selections. So um, we find now that basically by the time we get to signing a contract, it's a great relationship. They know what they're going to get. I know what they're expecting. The designers included everything that's been discussed. Um, and nine times out of 10, now we go to a contract with, with everything selected. Um, and you touched before on how builders when they're asked to price quickly, will generally put lots of things in as allowances. And that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, like, I, I believe the only things in a project that should be allowances are, are things that the client's got to make a personal decision on. So, um, and in saying that, even though they're allowances, they, they still need to be an allowance that suits the client's expectation. So, like, we know now by being involved in the process, like, we've seen heaps of photos, we've had heaps of discussion. We may have even been to a, a, a um, shop and had a walkthrough with them and done some selections. We're not going to put five thousand dollars in for plumbing fixtures when we know that the gear that they've been looking at is twenty thousand dollars so it just takes away all that unnecessary I guess uh, the clients being scared of variations or expecting variations the 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 other the other real big one is uh, engineering and design plans matching and look I'm not going to say we don't like renovations are definitely difficult like we've so part of our process is we do a lot of site work during the, the pricing stage. We'll go out, we'll check for asbestos. We'll, if it's a add on, we'll like, take some heights around the house and make sure it's going to be okay because um, lots of things can come up with that. But so many times the engineering drawings don't match the design drawings. And again, by sitting down now and having those collaborative workshops, uh 95 of those problems are resolved and when we start on site it, it's all systems go so yeah the, look there's there is so many benefits to it like and it's it's one reason why i can guarantee our clients now that there's, there's only three reasons the contracts will change and that is they change their minds about things um a latent condition like something that's unforeseen in the ground um, Yeah, that's it, actually. It's only two. (laughs) If they don't don't change their mind, then there's no reason for... um, Yeah, look, on a renovation, you you might find something... Like, we've actually got one renovation at the moment, which on an area of the house that we had to tie into, um, and this is a perfect example of our industry, actually. Like, I would cut holes and, and done all this investigation on site where we had to put some new beams... Um, but I never looked under the existing floor structure because the homeowner actually ended up getting a hold of the original drawings. So I, I, I just assume like you would think it would be right that what was on those original drawings was what was there and so did the engineer. So I didn't do any investigations below the floor level because we had a drawing that showed the bare locations, the size of the joists, footings and all those types of things. The engineer did the same. Um and then during our demolition we actually found that the so the a few examples like the floor joist should have been 170 by 45 hardwood on site they're 120 by 45 hardwood. Oh so how old was the house? The, uh the house was built in the mid-90s. Wow. And then it had another it had had another renovation in um like 2011 or something. So like who knows? Like I don't know if that builder Substituted smaller materials to try and save some money, or if materials weren't available at the time, like who knows? But that led to a variation for our client because we had we thought we were going to be bearing on larger members, and those smaller members weren't sufficient to port the new support the new job. So um, we had to put three extra steel beams in. So look, there's 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 still things that come up. Look, renovations are so unknown, but our process is pretty much knocked on the head. 95% 95% of the issues that we used to have. And it shows because like we do a final invoice for a contract now and nine out of 10 times are actually less than the contract price. Um, we've, we've worked through the uh, fixtures with the client, they've made selections, they've actually ended up saving some money on the allowances we've put in. There's very, very few variations on site now because we've done all our homework. Um, and it's not, I guess it's, one important thing is it's, it's not about it's not always dollars as well. like our process i believe saves so much time not just for the for us but for the designers and the homeowners There, nine times out of ten the process is done and dusted in maybe six to 12 months whereas like in the past we would have jobs that would just float around for years because they they'd get designed we'd price them they couldn't afford it they'd get redesigned still couldn't afford it get redesigned again and it would float along that a lot of the time, like I said before, so much that the clients would just get drained and get project fatigue, and times out of 10, they just end up walking away from it. So it was everyone was just wasting time and money.
0: I think too, what's really interesting is, um, you know, a lot of builders that are doing custom renovations and new builds, they're you know sole business operators, family-run businesses, where they're the ones that are having their eyes on the drawings they might have supervisors and those kinds of things that they have teams working with them that can be a second set of eyes but oftentimes when it comes to that whole kind of initial project inquiry through to um, negotiating and navigating creating proposals and coming up with that contract sum it's the builder as the business owner that's figuring all of that out and writing the scopes and sending those out to their trades to get priced and those kinds of things and then the same thing with the designers you know you've got a lot of designers and architects who are sole business operators who are working to create family homes and so they're the only set of eyes on those drawings as well and at the end of the day both those people are humans that make human errors it's the why you know sometimes and and sometimes there's designers and architects who just aren't interested in figuring out all the consultant coordination unfortunately and And if a homeowner doesn't know that that's part of the process that should be happening, then they basically sever ties with that designer or architect at the point of completion of documentation, move through and navigate all the contract negotiation and then jump into the construction process and like I was chatting to one of our live life build members who's wanting to who's who's basically reaching out to designers at the moment because he sees the benefit of the pack process because he's sick of standing on site with a homeowner saying to them look the drawings here are wrong this isn't actually going to work i get what you're wanting to do i don't quite understand the design here but you know because he hasn't been part of that process and he's having to then actually come up with a design solution himself as the builder because the architectural designer has washed their hands of it because they're no longer involved. They're not being paid a fee. As far as they were concerned, it was fine, you know, and he's having to stand there as the builder. And like, if you've invested in a designer or an architect to create a design for you, you don't want to then be having to get the builder to create, to like create design solutions to the problems that were then part of that process, you know, so it's really interesting. I think that what is so beneficial too is that you and the designer or architect that you're working with as, as, a, as two industry professionals, you're holding each other accountable to making sure that these drawings are right that they're buildable, that the design's still being achieved, that they're meeting the budget, they're meeting the brief, you know, and that that's all working through and it's all being ironed out whilst everything is still lines on a page and change is relatively inexpensive. So that by the time you do get to construction, it's, um, you know, those all of those kind of normal Problems that become, you know, turn molehills into mountains on site and end up being tens and tens of thousands of dollars sometimes instead can be an opportunity to go, okay, like that example of reducing the slab thickness or changing the roof structure and that kind of stuff, that can't happen on site. It has to happen in design phase because once that decision you know, that structural design decision of the slab thickness then has an on-flow effect of all sorts of other decisions in how the structural design gets done. If it doesn't get changed back at that point, you're locked into all of those other decisions. So I think that's... Um, so the,
1: like, yeah, and, and like if if the builder and the designer or Architect aren't collaborating in that manner, then that, that sort of stuff never gets talked about. So, um, but yeah, and I, and I think it's probably one of those things like, um, we used to have that situation every job. like it was every single job we were and, and like you said, we would try and go back to designer architect and they're done. they've been paid, they're finished, they' moved on to the next one. Um, and it would it wasn't our fault but that it would it would sour the entire job because we would have to be charging because something would, wasn't working, something had to be redone or, and then it also just puts all this unnecessary stress on as well because then, you're, you're under time constraints. So you've got these issues on site, you've given the client a schedule and then all of a sudden like, you, you can't finish the slab or the footings or the frame because we need this information over here. And, and look, that that was a daily occurrence for us. Um, and the time it wasted was absolutely incredible. The, like some of the variations I remember back in those days giving to our clients were, were just ridiculous. And it, it wasn't because I was making more money, like I I had to charge them because I like we get given drawings and that's it's our job to build what's on those drawings. So um, yeah, collaborating now and working through all those issues is, is a massive game change for everybody involved. But I think another big, a really important part of this process is like educating clients on what is involved in pricing a job because there, there is a hell of a lot of work. And like, even if it is a smaller home, like, and I think a big reason for that is like again you know my thoughts like there should be a separation like project builders should be their own i don't know what even to call them but uh, and then custom builders should be something else like we're all thrown in the one basket so a project building home obviously which is a is homes that get repeated multiple times they know everything like they build the same home 10 50 000 times so you can ring them up and ask them for a meter rate or ask them for a price because it's probably sitting in front of them on the table because I have just finished one the day before. A custom home, new home renovation. It, it, we're doing it for the first time. Like it's never been built before. Like we're we're having to put how many hours labor is going to be for the to build the frame, to build the slab, to do that. Like every single component of that job, we're sitting there and working it out off past experience because it's never, ever been done before. And that's just, it's not just labor, that's materials as well. I know where so many builders can get very frustrated because like when you, when you get all these calls from clients wanting these prices, you just feel like you're you're so you're not valued, like your time's just that no one appreciates your time and you just throw figures on things. And then, so it's, it's, it's this this horrible cycle, I guess, like clients Clients think it's easy to price. They ring builders, they, they, they want to price over the phone or in a week's time. The builder gets the sh- because they that he feels undervalued. He puts figures on something that he hasn't even thought about. The client then that goes back to the client, the client then gets frustrated because like, oh, you told me it was gonna be this, it's gonna be like, it's, it's just a horrible, horrible scenario that I cannot believe I got dragged into for so long, but that, that's just our industry.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a self-perpetuating machine. So I think that's why this pack process can work so well and disrupt that for people and ultimately give homeowners what they want, which is the best possible home built for the budget that they can afford. So, um, and have two people who, you know, are working collaboratively together to bring their areas of expertise to that process. So, um, I just want to chat about some of the confusion that you might see homeowners experience through this process because I can imagine there would be homeowners that think, okay, well, I've got a designer here who's going to drive the design and I've got a builder here who's going to be telling me about cost and buildability and efficiency and those kinds of things. So let's look at this design and can you please price it, Mr. and Mrs. Builder, With uh, can you please explore what it's going to be if I have, um, you know, three different options of cladding or if I decide that I want a skillion roof rather than a hip roof or if we put a void here rather than a void there and do you find that you have homeowners sort of giving you a bit of a shopping list of all of the price options that they might want you to consider and um, and it's a case of sort of clarifying no that's not what this process is about how do you deal with some of that confusion around what your physical job's going to be during the PAC process?
1: Uh, look, we definitely well, we don't get that anymore because we we pull it up. But um, yeah, lots of people in the, and we've done that in the past. And again, it's just something that I would get frustrated about. I wouldn't put any time and effort into it, and it never got a good result. I I think this pack process resolves all that because that it's you're working through that with the designer. So it's it, it's it's not like it shouldn't really be about the cost because I think so. Uh, my view on that is probably that the clients think they're, they're focused on the price and the budget, and that, that's what's driving those questions, but the design should drive that. But they might think they want a stairwell a certain way, but how do you know that if you haven't worked through the design properly? We, we, we do still get some clients that, like even though we keep talking them around with that, they keep coming back through the, the early stages and saying, oh, when we get to this stage, could we just get an option on that? And Aaron and I explain to them why we can't or why it's difficult or how much time it takes. But I think, look, the designers and architects that I'm, I work with now, that, it, that all gets resolved because it is so collaborative and it all gets washed out in the design. And look, I, I think if anything, the, the, probably the biggest thing that has come out of this process for me as I said before, I'm, I'm a far better builder because I I would have thought of those questions a completely different way. Whereas now I know, like, you, you know how passionate I am now about it, like the design changes your life. And again, by doing this process and, and like, I don't even know how to explain this to people, but um, I've only seen it now because I, I am at those design meetings. Like I just used to be the builder that was on site to build the drawings. Like I didn't know why the house was facing the way it was, why there was windows where they were, why, why, why the rooms were laid out the way they were. So like I think back now, like we touched on before about those scenarios on site where things aren't working and the builders on site having to come up with a design solution. And I, I come up for things for completely different reasons. Like I was coming up with reason like suggestions on moving things around or changing things simply so that I could get the house built. Um, Whereas now, I, now I just, well, for a start, I don't, I try not to get involved with them. Like, because it is such a collaborative design, I, I now find that I can go back to the designer architect now, and it's not an issue because it's all part of the process. Like if, if there is something that comes up that has been overlooked or forgotten, I can ring them up and say, hey, this, we just need to resolve this. Can you please shoot me through a drawing? And it happens, um, but yeah, good design, um, working through the design has eliminated all those questions because people are getting taken through the, the journey. Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot about how the designers and architects talk to the clients as well. And I, I definitely think there's, there's guys out there that do it far better than others. I, I do think there's some guys out there that treat the job like most builders. Like they, they get a design brief and they just draw a house. Um, there's no collaboration with the, with the homeowner. So they don't get the best outcome. So uh, I don't know. We could talk about it all day, but the the question doesn't really come up anymore because we because we're having that such a collaborative design. Clients understand why it's been designed the way it is and why it's doing what it is, and it's it's not a problem.
0: I think it's a really interesting um, mindset flip because I think that a lot of homeowners would think I can get all these options priced because they're thinking about their home like a kit of parts that you can apply different things to and plug and play different options and those kinds of things. Whereas when you're actually working inside a design process that is collaborative, which is about creating a home that's kind of the container of an experience and helps you feel a certain way and it functions a certain way then you do start to find that the options start to become really obvious. I know from my experience as working as an architect with homeowners, you know, there's, there's initial kind of explorations that are about, you know, did you think that you'd have all your master bedroom out the front or did it look to the rear or, you know, those kinds of things? And did you want the kids' bedrooms close to your bedroom? And, you know, do you want two living rooms or one living room? And there's sort of some kind of very early conceptual conversations that that, that drive the the design arrangement of the home but then once those are sort of fleshed out very quickly you come into that whole exploration of this home actually the solution's Become narrow like the options of the solutions become narrower and narrower because when you 're focusing on that overall experience and what the site's telling you the design needs to do and what the family's lifestyle's telling you the design needs to do, and so then it might I can imagine then it's a conversation, well, are we cladding this in you know weatherboard or are we cladding it in metal or you know it's that it's it's that kind of thing, but even that I suppose would be also an aesthetic. Uh, preference in terms of the form and that kind of stuff so it's really interesting to highlight particularly to hear it from a builder um, and I know how passionate you are about design and how much you've learned about design through this process of how, how as a builder it's important to sit back and let that design process happen during this design because the homeowner I imagine is very much they think well if the builder's here I'm going to be capitalizing on this and making sure that this is always on budget and that I can actually afford it But your role as the builder to keep making sure that it is about the design, it's about exploring the full potential of the design that you've, you know, the homeowner has said, this is what we can afford, this is how much it is. So let the designer work out what that opportunity is and then I as the builder can then figure out how we ensure that it can be delivered for that and where we need to adjust and push and change and, you know, pull back and those kinds of things. That's really, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think like I was having a conversation last week, and um, I think again, like our, our industry is led so much by the pro-debt builders, and um, like everywhere you go, like you drive around, like people that are thinking about building or renovating, like you, you've only got to go for a drive around a few neighborhoods, and you just see the the boxes, like they're just boxes that are built. They're very they're they're very poorly built, they're, the orientation's wrong. Like, and I think another thing, like obviously with all those prototype builders, like they have set designs that just get plonked on block of land. And so there's no thought in them at all. And but knowing what I know now, I think that's where so many people get their questions from because they they see these homes, they visit a friend that's just built a new home, and they're like, oh wow, it's got this many rooms, the rooms are this big. Well, um, they go to a display village and, and look at these houses. Um, and look up, uh, like, you know, my advice is just throw like get rid of all that. Don't even go looking at that. Like um, when you want to start the journey and, and build a new home or renovation just don't go to any design villages, Just find a good designer and a good architect or builder that you can work with and let them do their job. Um, and, and one like a designer architect that's doing their job properly, should be finding out all about you your lifestyle how you entertain how like are you growing family the hobbies you have like, I, I never used to know all this like but now that I do it, it's so important and, and it does change the outcome so people that ask these questions about trying to separate these little things into the budget um, generally through the like by the first or second meeting, they're gone. They're out the window because they've seen how just what they thought they wanted, what they've seen their friends having, what they've seen on TV, what they've displayed on their through, they realized was just a complete waste of time. And now, now they're going to get this this home that actually suits them. It's it's built for them. Nobody else. It's built for them. And I I love that now. Like I'm I, I don't try and change that. I do. Um. Obviously I. Like Aaron especially calls me the handbrake. Like I do, <laughs> I am constantly, um, like, I'm, I, like I do focus, my, my thing is budget, like that's why I'm there, but I try and do it without getting involved in the design. But um, yeah, look, I think if people trust the process, um, there's definitely plenty of builders out there now that are uh, wanting to do this process, that are doing the process, Um I guess that my advice with that would be like you, you need to interview them really well, like you, because there is still I hate to say it, but there is still those builders out there that are going to try doing this process. They're going to try charging for their time, and not deliver anything. Um, you need someone that like with our live like bill, like we we actually we give our guys a process. It's all mapped out. So like you want to work with someone that is passionate about their job, that um, that has good relationships with designers and architects and ultimately you've got to be able to get on with them. You, you, there's got to be open, honest communication for all this to work.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, Duane. You've given so many gems of advice as always. Can't thank you enough for being here and giving so generously to the Undercover Architect community and uh, letting them into understanding how you navigate this pack process. I think it really highlights The big difference that we know is out there between what it looks like to run this process um, thoroughly and properly and collaboratively compared to what um, I know some other builders doing in terms of charging for quotes and those kinds of things. So hopefully homeowners have got now a really good understanding of how this process can look and how beneficial it can be. So thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really great.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: Did you enjoy that? Wasn't it great? Well, as you can see, Duane is really passionate about the PAC process being the answer to so many of the challenges that homeowners face in their projects. Plus, as you could hear Duane describe, the PAC process is such a great great way to have your design and building team collaborating with each other to ensure that you're streamlining the project, you're making savings along the way as you go, and you're creating a package of documentation that's accurate, fully coordinated and will facilitate a low stress project. Now, in the next episode, we're going to be learning more about the pack process from the client's point of view. I am so excited to be sharing this with you and to be bringing you my special guests who are going to talk about their experience as clients doing their own renovation and experiencing the pack process firsthand. Now you're going to find links to get in touch with Dwayne and all the other resources mentioned in this episode by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 204 and that's the numbers 204. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building, and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast, thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.